Will you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans chapter 1? In a moment's time, we're going to look at Romans 1, 18 through 28. This morning is the third in a four-part series of messages. The title of the series is Identity Crisis. Identity Crisis, and today is the third. The first message was the Bible truth about creation. Everything begins with creation. Everything does. If you do not believe in a creator, then you believe that things evolved. And if things evolved, then things are evolving, including the morals of the day. So we understood the vitality, the importance of the creator. The second message was the Bible truth about our own formation by the creator. We call that details. We said that God did not overlook a single detail. There was nothing created in any of us that is not by God's design or cannot be used for God's glory. We address that in the the man that was lame from uh, from his birth and how that God's Uh, healed him at the hands of Simon Peter. And Simon Peter told those around, this man was born for this day to glorify God. Now today, we're going to see the Bible truth about the gay lifestyle and other matters of what I would consider great importance to God. Now I want to say a word about this because, and I'll look around, I don't see any, but this is not really a message for young children. And I would encourage, in fact, my grandson, who normally sits up here and uh, because he wants to hear Pops preach, um, and, um, well, I, we'll just go with that. He wants to hear Pops preach. Uh, <clears throat> he is not up here today. He is down in children's church because this message is really not one that I think he is ready to hear. I think that uh, older uh, teenagers and, <clears throat> and those that are in their tweens probably, yes, Many of us have family members and friends who are either gay or lesbian. I would never ask you to raise your hand, but if I were to ask you to raise your hand, and most, and, and you were <clears throat> very honest today, most in this room would raise your hand and say, I have a friend or a family member who's either gay <clears throat> or lesbian. Now, we care about them, and we want what is best for their lives. We hopefully do not hate them because of <clears throat> their status as gay or lesbian. Hopefully we care about them. To that end, I <clears throat> want to preach this sermon in such a way that we will hear the message and respond <clears throat> to the directness of Bible truth with the Christian heart, which is the heart of love. This will not be an apology for sin. This will not be an acceptance of sin. <clears throat> this will be, hopefully, the truth spoken in love. In general surveys, the American public, that is just the average guy on the street, has an estimation of the percentage of Americans that they believe to be gay or lesbian or <clears throat> transsexual, transgender, or bisexual, transgender. And that number is driven by the amount of publicity that is given. 
In general, 23% or Americans believe that 23% of America is gay or lesbian. That's the average belief on the street. These estimates are much higher than the actual uh, 3.8% of the population who identified themselves as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender in the Gallup's daily tracking poll. That's a current statistic. Even more uh, specific is the statistic from June of 2014 from the National Health Interview Survey that's published by the Disease, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Everybody here <clears throat> has heard of the CDC. We don't realize that they publish these kinds of, of statistics, but they do. <clears throat> this is a highly definitive study, and it found that fewer than 3% of the respondents identified themselves as gay, lesbian, or bisexual, and <clears throat> only 1.6% percent of the population. Now, this is the CDC, that only 1.6 percent of the population is identified as gay or lesbian. Now, why would a much higher percentage be estimated and publicized rather than the actual percentage? Because you almost never hear those low percentages associated in reporting with uh, the gay and and the lesbian lifestyle or the LGBT community. My personal opinion is that the LGBT community and social liberals want to take advantage of the African-American community that makes up 15.2% of the population of the United States of America. I believe that this one to two to three percent of America wants to piggyback on the true minority status of the the fifteen plus percent of the population that's African American. By the way, that fifteen point two percent is say also from the CDC. It's from the exact same people <clears throat> that did the first study. Now, I believe that they want gay rights to equate to the same battle with minority rights. And they've become successful in that. And the reason that they published the 23%, far more than the 3%, is because 23% sounds like a more viable minority than 3%. Now again, this is purely personal opinion. The percentages are not personal opinion. But the reason for the percentages is purely personal opinion. That being said, this morning, I want to show you the Bible truth about the gay lifestyle. I call it the gay truth. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, 
they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Now, you can all see where all of this started, and that is in failing to acknowledge God. For the sake of time, I had planned to read verses 19 through 21 again, but we've just read them, so I won't read them again. But very clearly, it is that the people who were created refused to acknowledge the Creator. I want to go back two messages to the first message that I brought in this series, the one titled Dust and Bone, where we talked about the creation of Adam and Eve. Here is a, a direct quote from that message. The book of Genesis begins with these words, in the beginning, God. When we know that that and believe it, every other belief of our life is influenced. This begins with what we refer to as a biblical worldview. That is to say that all that we see in the world, we see in light of a God who created us and according to the book that he gave us. Failing to start with God is failing to have a point of origin. Failing to have a point of origin is to believe that everything is still evolving, including moral absolutes. So it all began when the created failed to acknowledge the Creator. That was the premise of the very first message. Failing to place ourselves under the purpose of God for our lives is failing to acknowledge Him as our creator. Now in our text, the group that we're speaking of uh, said they didn't see fit to acknowledge God. That these people just didn't see the reason, didn't see it fit to acknowledge God. This group wasn't willing to, to recognize God for who he really is. Now if I would be as honest as I could be today, I would have to say this, that it's not only those in the gay community who fail in this. There are a lot of people who fail to acknowledge or to who don't see fit to acknowledge God in every aspect of their lives. There are a lot of people who fail to recognize God. They fail to recognize His holiness. 
They fail to recognize his majesty. They fail to recognize his creativity. They fail to recognize his sovereignty. And I want to say this, that not everybody who fails to recognize the holiness, majesty, creativity, <clears throat> that is being the creator, and the uh, sovereignty of God, not everyone who falls into that category would be uh, somewhere other than church this morning. There are a lot of people who are sitting in pews today somewhere, maybe some here, who do not really acknowledge God's majesty, His, honest, His, His uh, creativity, His holiness, or His sovereignty. When we speak of the issues of the gay community, many of those issues bleed over to people like me and people like you. A lot of the issues that the gay community has have <clears throat> are issues that would be common to our lives for the same reason that they are present in the gay community's lives. There is this strong tendency to fail to really acknowledge God for who He is in our lives. Here's the way that plays out sometimes. <clears throat> we'll say something like this. Well, I know what the Bible says, but I know the Bible says that I ought to, but. And there <clears throat> is always some caveat, some reason in our mind that we do not acknowledge God as sovereign and holy and creator in our lives. There's some reason <clears throat> that we can't follow the commands of God. That reason is failure to acknowledge God for <clears throat> who He is. It may be that some of you would argue, and I would understand the argument, you would argue that <clears throat> you know gay people who do acknowledge God. You know gay people who do <clears throat> hold God supreme in their lives. And I, I, to be honest with you, I would not argue that there are all kinds of people who are living a lifestyle contrary to the expressed will of God in His Word who have some level of reverence for God. <clears throat> there are a lot of people who believe most of what God has said. There are a lot of people who believe <clears throat> most of who God is. But to believe most of who God is and fail to believe all of who God is is not to believe God. God is sovereign. <clears throat> God is complete. God is all, and <clears throat> He is <clears throat> in all. To acknowledge God is to truly respect Him. And when we truly respect someone, we <clears throat> make whatever adjustments are needed to please that one over pleasing ourselves. Now, we live in a great society of self-pleasing today. I've got to be just true to myself. I know what this says, and I know that, the, that God's uh, probably not happy with me, but I've got to be true to myself, we say. The issues of the gay lifestyle are God issues. The issues of any sin lifestyle are God issues. To truly believe that we have a Creator is to conform to the design and purpose of our creation. So you have to know <clears throat> that whenever we determine personally, whatever it is, 
and, and you can plug most anything in there, okay? Liar, thief, kleptomaniac, uh, <clears throat> brawler, uh, womanizer. You, you can put anything in there, okay? You, you can put any sin that runs amok in people's lives and destroys their lives. You can plug any sin into there. And, and when people give their lives to that, it begins when they fail <clears throat> to acknowledge God. They don't see fit to make God who He's supposed to be in their lives. So that's a big thing. <clears throat> that's a really big thing. Now you say, but I know somebody who definitely acknowledged God for who He was supposed to be in their lives. You, you can know no one fully. You can't even know yourself. The Bible says the heart is desperate, deceitful and desperately wicked. It's deceitful above all things. Who can know it? <clears throat> so you just have to go with this, that according to Romans chapter 1, the kind of sin and the level of sin and the nature of the sin that we're talking about begins with a failure to acknowledge God. And that failure to acknowledge God forces some severe <clears throat> consequences. All of us know <clears throat> that actions have consequences. They all do. In 1979, when I was 29 years old, I preached a message about the consequences of sin. Here's the outline for that message. You've probably heard it since that time by someone else. It was a message that took hold. It said, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, cost you more than you want to pay. How many of you have heard that somewhere from somebody? All right. <clears throat> I preached that in 1979. When I was 29 years old, not telling you that it was original with me, but I will tell you that I have no idea where I got it, so I might as well say it was original with me. <clears throat> there are consequences for all sin. The consequences for turning the intentions of the Creator into something else are quite drastic. First, there are the Old Testament <clears throat> consequences. <clears throat> and I want to say this at the outset, that my intention is not to encourage going Old Testament on anybody. You don't want to go Old Testament on anyone. I'm encouraging that, but I just don't want to show you what the Old Testament had to say. If we did that, by the way, <clears throat> there'd be a lot of wonderful people who made some serious mistakes in, in their lives that would put their lives in jeopardy of severe punishment and other unimaginable things. That being said, here's what the Old Testament had to say about the consequences of the matter that we're addressing. Here's the gay truth. Leviticus 18.22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Leviticus 20 and 13. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Now look, <clears throat> in the Levitical law, there is no wiggle room on this issue. I, for one, am glad that we do not live under the Levitical law. I'm glad that we do not live under Sharia law or any <clears throat> harsh legalism that passes a death sentence on the many sin issues that we have in this life. And we have a lot of sin issues in this life. Could I say this to you and remind you that a sinful man today is preaching this message on sin? Not a perfect man, not someone who has got everything together. <clears throat> Finally, I'm perfect and I can talk to these poor people about their imperfections. That's not the nature of this sermon. I am an imperfect, sinful, 
absolutely sinful man, saved by the grace of God, called by God to share the message of truth, but not sharing from a perfect, uh, a perfected point. Anytime someone has crossed a threshold for which the most severe punishment is the remedy, it's a tragic thing. This guy that, that, that killed all of the people in the, uh, in the movie theater in uh, Colorado was sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. There's only one thing that would maybe be considered harsher than that, and that would be the death penalty. It's a horrible thing when anyone does something where they cross the line and they get the strongest and the most harsh punishment. The consequences of the Old Testament became the sentiment of the New Testament. We're not living in Old Testament times, and we're not under Levitical law. So what does the New Testament say regarding consequences of sin, particularly those issues of the gay lifestyle? Now here it is from the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. This is from the Apostle Paul. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now in a moment we're going to <clears throat> in a moment we're going to face the issues of all of those who are lumped in with the practice of homosexuality. Because if you were paying attention, that verse didn't just say homosexuals. <clears throat> it added a lot of sin categories to homosexuals, homosexuality. Now, when we visit this in a moment, it's going to give us something to think about. But for now, returning to our text, which speaks of the homosexual community as failing to appreciate or acknowledge God for His holiness and righteousness, the verses continue with some rather stern words. Look at verse 29 of our text. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Very serious words from the Apostle Paul. Paul continues what he begins in the previous verses concerning these people who didn't see fit to acknowledge God. Now this is descriptive of a people who does not account for those things who, who, uh, and does not account for those who may be full of envy and, and murder. Let me say that again. This is descriptive of a people and does not account for those who may be full of envy, murder, and strife, and so on. The, the point is, that the lifestyle of this 3% of the society is what is disturbing to people like you and me. But it has a root lifestyle that is much deeper than what disgusts you or me, if we are disgusted by it. 
It has a root lifestyle that is rooted in hate and rooted in pride and rooted in deceit. And Paul pulls up short of going Old Testament on them, but he does say something that is disturbing to me. He said, you know, they know that they deserve to die. That's what Paul said. I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. I do not believe that this is a remedy. And I'm going to show you what the Word of God says to be a remedy for this ill or this problem in our society. It's, it's not just the New Testament truth, and it's not an Old Testament truth. It's the truth of God's grace and mercy that reached every one of us who are saved. So here's what we've seen. We have seen the gay truth is, begins in failing to acknowledge God. That forces severe consequences and causing people to face their own sins. Let's go back and read again something that we read earlier. And notice this time, everything and everyone except the homosexual, okay? So we'll read about the, the gay person, but let's, let's look at all of the other people that are listed. Let's, let's say that this is a list of, of life issues, and let's say there's 10 issues there, and number five is the issue of homosexuality. Take a look at, verse, at one through four and then the, the following. <clears throat> this is interesting. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither the sexually immoral. We could stop there. Or idolaters, or adulterers. Here it is, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers, those shady people, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now you, you can, I know somebody just tried to access Siri, but Siri does not have the answer for this message. God's Word has the answer for this message. Did you see all of the people that were listed there? The people that were listed there included some of us, did it not? I mean, the people that were listed there included people like me and you. And and look at this from Paul's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 8. Now we know that The law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Do we have to stop and go over each one of these sins to understand that God has categorized these with the scourge of our society today? God has categorized the rest of these. Immorality, adultery, greed, drunkenness, dishonesty, out-and-out liars, disobedient 
to God and more. They are all listed among the homosexuals. If God were to stand up and he were to say, all right, I'm going to divide this group here. Here's what I want. If you've lied, go over here. If you're greedy, go over here. If you're a drunkard, go over here. And, and he begins to move everybody. Oh, by the way, all uh, LGBT, the entire LGBT community, come over here to this side. Oh, wait, wait, whoa, wait, hey, whoa. They get a different group. They get a group all by themselves, don't they? Well, I mean, not really here they don't. The problem is not that their sin is is not sinfully uh, exceedingly sinful. The problem is that we don't see the rest of our sin as being exceedingly sinful. That's that's what the, the real problem is. It doesn't negate the sin of homosexuality, but it does elevate other sin in our lives. First, it causes all of us who have strong feelings about the 3% to consider the importance of developing stronger feelings about other sins around us and sins in our own lives. If you've got a gay guy or a, a, a lesbian person that works with you, and there are certain things that really bother you, there are certain things that really affect you when that aspect of their life reveals itself to you, I understand that, but I guess my question is this. Do you also uh, have that same uh, issue with, with somebody that's drunk every Saturday night? Do you have that same issue with, uh, with, with somebody who has, uh, has multiple affairs or had an affair? Do you have those same issues? That's the first thing. And secondly, it confirms that being gay, like being an adulterer, is a sin in the eyes of God. This is not excuse, an excuse for the sin of homosexuality. It is a confirmation that homosexuality is a sin like all the other sins. It is. To, to use the excuse that someone is born that way is to forget that all of us are born in sin. Sin from which we must be redeemed. Now you've heard me say it before <clears throat> that there are those who are born with certain tendencies toward sin. They have to stay away, from, and there are those that are, that are born with tendency toward certain addictive things. There are people who have tendencies toward everything. Now, <clears throat> I wish I could bring people up like I did last week, but my purpose for bringing people up would be to let them represent certain tendencies, and I just know that, that I just know, okay? <clears throat> so let's just say this, all right? Let's just say this. In fact, let me ask this question. Go all the way back to your childhood, okay? <clears throat> all the way back to your childhood. And, and don't, don't you lie to me. How many of you, whether you've done it or not, how many of you have ever thought about <clears throat> or wanted to steal something? Would you raise your hand? My hand's up. Come on, raise your hand. 
you wanted to or thought about stealing something, all right? Evidently, some of you were never a child. Let me say it a different way. All of you have wanted to and thought about stealing something at some point in your life. But you were taught that that was wrong. There was a check in your system that said, I don't do this. This is not the thing for me to do. Now, to be sure, not everybody has had that check in their system. Because there are some people who have lived on that. They've given themselves to stealing. There are people who've given themselves to shoplifting. One of the uh, housewives of Hollywood, I don't know what, what that thing is called, but one of the, the what's, that, what's it called, something housewives? Real. One of the real housewives of Hollywood <clears throat> got caught the other day for shoplifting several hundred dollars from Target. But, I mean, she's a real housewife of, <laughs> of Hollywood. Must have been Target. <clears throat> now, do you think that's the first time she ever thought about stealing something? Was it the first time she ever stole anything? I don't know. But I'm here to tell you that everybody will deal with that tendency. And some people more than others. It's a tendency. But you're not a kleptomaniac just because you thought about stealing something. I definitely won't ask for hands to be raised on this. Have any of you guys or any of you ladies who are married ever cast a second or third look at another woman or another man? Many have. That may be a temptation, a tendency, a problem for some of you. But I ask this question. If you continue to do battle with that and have God to overcome that in your life and you don't pursue that, are you an adulterer? You say, well, if you've committed adultery already in your heart, I understand that. What if you fight and say, God, don't allow me to do this any more than allow me to shoplift at Target? Well, I have the thought, so that's, I might as well do it if I have the thought. No, you might as well not. Haven't you wanted to punch somebody right in the nose? Now, seriously, have you not? I watched a Republican debate the other night. One of the, one, one of the greatest events that I've ever seen, I'm serious, one of the greatest political events that I've ever seen on television, and I wanted to reach through the screen and punch at least one person right in the nose. I'm so sick of Mike Huckabee. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just teasing. And I'm not endorsing a candidate, et cetera, et cetera. I I, I can go on. Oh, here you go. Here you go. There are people who are born with an attraction that is not healthy toward 
their own gender. <laughs> well, they're gay then. That's all I can say, they're gay. Mm. Not any more than the person that has an attraction to stealing who fights the attraction to steal as a kleptomaniac. You say, well, then they are born that way. We're all born with something. I'm born with an extraordinary attraction to banana pudding. I'm making very light, but I'm here to tell you that we're all drawn toward something. The question is, how do you deal with it in light of a holy and sovereign God? How many are even close to what I'm understanding? How do you deal with it in light of that? There are a lot of people who have attractions they shouldn't have, who by the grace of God are trying to live and are living a life that is pleasing to God because they are asking God to be greater in them than the attraction in them. Or the issue in them. Here's you a, here's you a really good illustration. If, if, if all that didn't work, here's you a really good illustration. Put that picture up there. Brian Williams is an excellent example of what I'm talking about. By now you know <clears throat> of the huge lies that he told in National Review regarding the danger that he was in in 2003 during the Iraq War. Also, he told lies about Hurricane Katrina and what he saw and experienced. Now, here's what I think it's fair to say. This is fair, I believe. Brian Williams is a liar. Okay? He's not running for office. Public figure. He's gotten caught in lies. He is a liar. I would say that he's predispositioned to to lying. He may be pathological. You, call it, you can call him that. A person that is diseased with being a chronic liar. To be honest, this is not the kind of guy that I want to get my news from. Now, having said all of that, if Brian Williams, keep the picture up there, if Brian Williams was born with this tendency, and probably was, Shouldn't we find some way to allow for it and everybody else born with that tendency? Shouldn't shouldn't we figure the percentage of Americans with predispositions toward lying and give them special rights? Shouldn't we find all of the pathological liars and make them a minority group because they have a sin category and they they were born that way Shouldn't we just go ahead and say, okay, all pathological liars get this special protection under the Constitution of the United States because they can't help it. They were born that way. We're all born in trespasses and sin. Are you getting this? And I'm, I'm trying to say it lovingly, but I really want to get this across. Everybody here's got something. And it's not a banana pudding thing like I joked earlier. We've all got something. We have all had dark and wicked and bad 
thoughts and tendencies, so much so that we say, where did that come from? But because we had it doesn't mean we should act on it. Because we had it doesn't mean that we should give in to it and say, oh, well, that's just the way that I am. All of us are sinners. All of us must be redeemed from our sin. That is why I am encouraged by my last point, and that is finding hope in the chaos. How badly can sin of this nature affect society? Well, we can go back to the days of Sodom to see a a vivid illustration. This is how bad it can get, Genesis 19.4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house, and they called Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men to the, at the entrance and shut the door after him and said, I beg you, brothers, do not act so weak, wickedly. The story is recalled in Judges chapter, uh, recalled again in Judges 19. Fearing that you might interpret any further comment or illustration as being unloving, I'm going to just allow these examples to stand. I do, however, want to read again a passage that we read from the, uh, before closing, uh, that we read earlier, and then we'll close. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Now, I want you to look at this again. Look at it real closely. I've got it on the screen. Look at it very, very carefully. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? <clears throat> do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This is a hopeless picture that is painted for us. None of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. Or will they? There's another verse you can read. It follows up. It's verse 11. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. What is the gay truth? The gay truth is that there is no sin about which God is, is, is ambivalent, and there is no sin from which we cannot be saved. Immorality, including homosexuality, is a sin which the sinners, from which sinners should be redeemed. God loves sinners, and we, the sinners who He loves, must love other sinners that He loves. We have a responsibility. That doesn't mean to love their sin. Approval and enabling is not love. 
It is aiding and abetting a sin for which the judgment could not be more severe. This whole thing is the classic issue of hating the sin and loving the sinner. So who do you know? Who do you know? I had a friend ask me the other day. It's been several months ago now. I think it's possible that this friend of mine is gay. And this friend asked me, he said, Pastor, what do you believe about same-sex marriage? And I shared with him what I believe the Bible says about marriage and what I believe the Bible says about sin and how that we can be forgiven of our sin and that we should not tempt God with our sin, but we should submit to God's will concerning any sin in our lives and live as he would have us to live. I wasn't creeped out. I didn't think, oh man, he's going to ask me to marry him. I didn't think anything like that. What I thought was, here's my friend who may be gay, who knew that he or felt like he could ask his friend a question. that would speak to a need in his life. Hate the sin. Love the sinner. Stand on biblical truth. Amen.